Tim and, Tebow had more success as a Bronco than Flacco did. Yeah. <laughs> did I just end the podcast? We need to be doing that. A podcast that combines sports, social media content, and life. Though we make no promises, we'll stick to those topics each episode. I'm Jonah Ballo. I'm Keith Steckler. And on this podcast, we'll often focus on the sports content and creative we see and like and share between the three of us. We need to be doing that. I'm Elliot Gerard. These are the discussions we have most days in person or group text. Now with the microphones on and recording. We've known each other since 2009. We have experience in ad agencies and marketing, digital content across teams in the NBA, and creative for brands, teams, and athletes. Come on. We need to be doing that. All right. So we are super excited. The three of us wrote a lot of postcards. We waited very patiently by the mailbox. And I'm proud to tell you, we have Joe Flacco's biggest fan on the podcast tonight. Lindsay, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Welcome. Thanks for putting up with uh, Elliot. I know I know it can be hard. We had a lot of pre-show banter, and I appreciate you still sticking around. So are you a Jets fan officially now because of Flacco? Officially that- the day he signed, yes. J-E-T-S, nice. Jets, Jets, Jets. There you go. All right. All right. I'm with you. So- What's the background story on the love affair with Joe Flacco? The affair? I don't like the sound of that. Sorry. The... Um- <laughs> Affection not, you have. Let's not start any rumors, okay? Okay. I won't start any rumors on the podcast. I'm, I'm a Ravens fan. I have been. I always, you know, I have been. And he was like the first player that I really rooted for hardcore, I guess, if that makes sense. Like from the beginning. Was it his style? I mean, what is it? His unibrow? His unibrow, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. What, I, I'm just trying to figure out because there's not a lot of like Joe Flacco super fans out there. It's just me. Whenever you <laughs> there is a super fan. What was it about Joe Flacco that made you so excited to be a fan of it? When he first came to Baltimore, nobody really expected him to do much. And then he went to the playoffs and everybody was kind of like, oh, here's this guy. I mean, you went from Kyle Bowler to him and he became the guy. And that's what you look for when you're an NFL team. You want that guy that's going to be there for a decade. And he was there for a decade. He won a Super Bowl. He went to the playoffs more often than not. And he was just the guy that you rooted for. He did great stuff around Baltimore with kids and the Special Olympics and the polar bear phones mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So he was just kind of, he wasn't one of those guys that was always in the club and like, you know, he was just like a good family guy, so easy to root for. And I feel like he gets a lot of hate around here still, which I don't like. But yeah, I just feel like he was really easy to root for and he did a lot with his time here. That's interesting. He's not well liked in Baltimore considering the success in the Super Bowl. So what do you think it is about him that, you know, it's turned fans off. Because he didn't live up to that contract that he signed. I think it's ridiculous if you look at what Patrick Mahomes just signed, not that he didn't earn it because he 100% did. But just a few years ago, we were arguing about how he signed a $120 million contract. And now here's Patrick Mahomes with half a billion dollars, you know? So it's kind of like, that's the going rate. And a lot of people didn't understand it back then. But the fact is, is that Flacco bet on himself. He said, this is my, this is my year to sign a contract. I just want a Super Bowl. If you're not going to pay me this, somebody else is. And, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for him for doing that. And he, he earned it and he might not have lived up to it, but the team also didn't build around him either. So that's their fault. Like it right out of the gate, the hot takes. It's interesting. It's always, you know, with, 
quarterbacks, especially I think in any other sport, it seems teams, fans love them on the rise, but then when they get the contract, now it's you better show up and live up to whatever that ex- arbitrary expectation is of the contract. And then usually it comes with hate. So it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's hard to continue the fandom there. And then everybody wants the backup quarterback or the new guy coming out of the draft. Do you feel that is the a similar sort of sense you're getting from kind of that position in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, obviously with like Lamar Jackson, like the second they drafted him, you kind of knew that, you know, his time was going to be up sooner rather than later. And I think Joe had like a year left on his contract from when they drafted Lamar. So it was kind of like, obviously the only reason that they had planned for Lamar to start that first year was if Flacco got hurt and that's what happened. And I feel like the kind of the narrative kind of changed and they were kind of like, Oh, well the Ravens had to build this. They had this new guy and they had to bring him in right off the bat. And that's not true at all. It was because Flacco got hurt. And obviously once Flacco was recovered, they didn't give him the job back because Lamar was on a winning streak. You can't go back from that. So it's not really Flacco's fault that he ended up getting injured and the new guy took over. It was just how the cards fell. Where did you grow up and how did how and when did football enter your life? So I grew up in Maryland. I still live here. Um, my dad was a big football fan. My dad's actually a Cowboys fan. Um, so I don't really, <laughs> I obviously grew up like around like the Redskins and, you know, they were kind of both the Redskins and the Cowboys were good. I'll just say it. They were good back then when I was like a really little kid. Back then I was like into ballet and Barbies and stuff like that. So I didn't really become like a football fan until. I started watching the Ravens games like socially with like my friends and it kind of grew from there. What season did you start? Like, would you say was like the season? I'm going to say like 2007, 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. Which is like right around when Flacco started. Well, it's interesting. So we have a situation somewhat in the sense of what Baltimore had with Flacco and, um, you know, the incoming Lamar Jackson. I don't think it's exactly the same but Aaron Rodgers and now with a quarterback that could uh could take his position especially like a guy like Aaron Rodgers who is arguably you got to say he's probably in the top three there in in the mix there uh, especially with the raw talent what do you think about that situation in Green Bay and what they did on draft night it caught me by surprise um Aaron Rodgers is one of the guys that like you said he's up there he's up there with Brady he's up there with Breeze He's and he says he's such a personality where you don't want to piss him off. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. kind of why I was surprised. I mean, you knew it was coming sooner or later. And you kind of I feel like the Packers want him to be the guy that's going to sit for a while, just like he did behind Favre. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it may come. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been injured a lot recently, so maybe that's it's going to be a situation like that. But the question that I have for if that does happen is Aaron Rodgers is so good, even if Jordan Love does win a couple games, does he? Does Aaron Rodgers get his job back at that point? So that'll be interesting to see, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one because in terms of, like, Favre was on the way out at that point. Like, you could tell, like, okay, Aaron was brought in, but Favre was, you know, and then he became a Jet, <laughs> and we know about that. Like, Aaron is not where Favre was at that time, so it's really interesting to see that, you know, whole thing play out, I would say. Since you talked about the Redskins, what is your take on potentially changing that name? Because personally, for me, I always thought that they should change that name. Like, I, I from from the from the day I became an NFL fan, when I found out about the Redskins, I'm like, this is pretty crazy that there's a team called Redskins. 
Yeah, I feel the same way you do, especially and like growing up around here, like it's everywhere. Like people have it on flags, on their cars, on, you know, they have jackets and everything. And it's just with everything going on right now. And I, I don't really want to get into that. But yeah, of course, of course. Um, I mean, I could sit here and talk for two days about it, but I feel like if any time for them to actually change it, it's now. Because I feel like they've been talking about it for a while. They've known for, like you said, they had to have known for 20 years that this isn't going to fly forever. And I feel like they've been putting it off and putting it off. And we all know what kind of person Dan Snyder is. We all know what kind of person Bruce Allen is. And he doesn't want to budge on anything that he doesn't think is right. So, um, but I feel like now that there's this pushback, I feel like if this is the time to do it, and I feel like it's finally going to get done. And there's going to be some people that aren't going to be happy about it. But at the end of the day, there's going to be more people that are going to be willing to accept the new team name than there are being mad about it. Do you have any thoughts on names? Like I, I, I saw, I saw an article like the the Red Tails, um, yeah. which was which is a really interesting one to me because it still you could still have the brand, but you, but it's talk you know the same colors and all that, but it's talking about the uh, airman so it's like you're flipping the script which i thought right. was really is that really interesting especially since it's washington dc you might want something that actually not just changes the name and it's like well they're now they're the washington generals it's like well, why don't you make it something it means something yeah i mean they're they're keeping the same color scheme and everything like that so i feel like they kind of have to go that route and it would be nice to see them do something like the red tails that you know obviously would be a flip like you said but at the same time, like, is Dan Snyder, Bruce Allen really going to go for that? I don't know. But I think that would be the right thing to do. But we all know the Redskins don't always do the right thing. Both on and off the field, right? <laughs> yeah, as a Giants fan, I was going to go there. But I, I decided I'd be nice. All right. <laughs> if we put COVID aside for a second, what do you think is the biggest storyline going into this season? Ooh, probably Tom Brady. Yeah. I hate to say it because I hate talking about him. But, I mean, the player who has won the most is now on a different team that has sucked for the past couple of years. You know, it's like, is he going to be able to bring that team up? And then on the flip side, is Bill Belichick still going to be able to keep his team going? What do you think about Cam in terms of coming? Oh, I love Cam. I'm such a Cam fan. I was really hoping he'd go there. I think him and Bill Belichick are great. Him and Josh McDaniels would be great. I really think he does have a lot left in the tank and I'm excited for what he can do. I think he really has, not that he was like humbled or anything by it, but like, I feel like he really has a fire lit up under him and he's had a fire his entire career and now it's even hotter. So it's pretty rare. A former MVP somewhat in his prime, he had obviously the injury issues to be in this position. Uh, where he wasn't getting picked up. Why do you think that was? I think it, it had to, you, he couldn't get a physical. You know, I think mm-hmm. coming off that injury, I feel like a lot of people wanted to see him in person and it just wasn't doable. I mean, you're seeing the same thing with Jadevian Clowney. People want to see him in person and they can't. And that's, I feel like, why it's t- being taken him so long to get a new deal somewhere else. People just need to see him elsewhere and they can't. Is there any, um, you think there's any truth going back to Brady about, you know, he's in a tougher division now. He was in, let's say, a relatively easier division prior. Oh, he <laughs> wasn't there... an easier division. Do, do you do you buy into that fact of, like, he hasn't been tested yet? I know he's won a ton of Super Bowls, but put that aside for a second. Do you buy into the fact that his road to the Super Bowl notoriously every season has been somewhat easy and will really see him get tested this season? I mean, yeah, to a point, but it's also hard to judge him on that because he is so old. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, 
maybe if that happened a couple years ago, then yeah, you could bring that up. But at this point, like, we're really not going to know. That's how I feel about my career. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you have Bruce Arians there and you have the offensive weapons surrounding him, what will make the Tampa Bay experience a success with Brady? And how do you see it changing from what he was able to accomplish in New England? Leadership. I mean, he's that guy. If anybody's going to bring that team up, it's going to be him. I mean, I like Gronk there too. I really think, I think, I mean, here's a hot take for you. I really think Gronk's going to do better there than Brady is. Um, I can't really tell you why I think that. <laughs> I, just, you know, I just have like a feel, I feel like both of them have kind of a fire, but Brady already knows that he doesn't really have to prove anything and Gronk kind of does. So, and I feel like Bruce Arians is that puzzle piece that'll kind of be able to bring them together. So you think Gronk really did want to play? He was just sick of the Patriots way? I don't know about that. I just I think the injuries really crept up on him and he was kind of in the I mean, you see his mindset. He wants to do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And um I feel like he was kind of at a point where he had enough money and he could just walk away and I mean, maybe he thought Brady was going to be done anyways and he just decided to get out. And now that he saw Brady come back, like why not try again? Why not get some money out of it? We're talking a lot about uh, you know, guys being a fit from a a pure football perspective let's talk Kaepernick where is a good fit for him anywhere that needs a quarterback I mean I (laughs) you don't get out that easy (laughs) I mean it's it's hard to like pick a team right now especially with so much uncertainty but like I just can't see like giving Matt Moore a chance over Colin Kaepernick you know what I'm saying like those guys have been just through the league nonstop, like just rotated in and out of all these teams. And Sam Bradford's another one. Like, how can you justify giving this dude X amount of money and you don't even give this guy a chance? Like, we all know why he's not playing. You know, we all do. But I mean, I just, I would like to see something, like something, anything. And I feel like with the coronavirus and everything, I feel like, unfortunately, like it might not happen this year just because of that. Nobody's going to bring him out for a workout, you know, he, which is unfortunate, but I feel like if we're going to give these guys a chance, then we should at least give him one too. I mean, he, what, he broke the record for most rushing yards in a game for a quarterback and, and in, and in a playoff year, I guess, and was in the Super Bowl. And I feel like people forget that because they're like, oh, that's the guy who just kneels. <laughs> it's like, exactly. Oh. No. And like, I mean, Jim Harbaugh was run out of town too after that. So you can't use him as an, ex- as an excuse either. So it's like, I mean, if, if it were anybody else, I mean, Nick Foles went to a Super Bowl too, and he's still getting contracts. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, you know? And so it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I wish I, I really wish I knew the answer, but unfortunately I don't. It'll be interesting because, you know, what is he, he's been off for three years now. Yeah. Like you guys have mentioned, he was a, an unbelievable success. If he health wise and his arms holding up and legs and all those things that you have to take into account, if those things are still at a top level, you can make the argument he's at a better fit in this era, even though it's only three years later in this era of the NFL with quarterbacking and how it's played. He's actually the prototype that you would draft or you would look to add in free agency. So when teams do evaluate that and you see the modern kind of NFL and how it, how the landscape has changed, what do you think makes a successful team at this point at that position? And is it that prototype of quarterback that will drive a team to win a Super Bowl? I mean, it's hard to say because at the end of the day, like 
you can sit, you can put Russell Wilson as a rule. He can win it with his legs or he can win it with his arm. Same with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's hard to, it basically goes up with the team that you're going against. So if we're still talking about Colin Kaepernick now, that would be a guy that I would put behind Russell Wilson to say, Russell Wilson rolls his ankle. Who can you throw in there? I'm not going to throw Matt Moore in there. I'll throw Colin Kaepernick in there. Like Lamar Jackson's another example. Like our backups, I hate saying our, I sound like I'm like a team official. I'm sorry. (laughs) I see the Ravens flag behind you. (laughs) Um, But like RG3 is the backup there. Like I, not that I am hating on RG3 or anything, but I almost feel more confident in Colin Kaepernick than RG3 behind Lamar Jackson if he were to be out a game or two. That would be a really great idea to pick him up, and then he has the chance to prove himself, and then next year get a you know uh, starting uh, position. Sure, he can be like the Teddy Bridgewater, you know. Do you think he would take a backup position? Um, I don't know. I've thought about that a couple times. I know a couple years ago it came out and he said that he didn't want to be anything but a starter, and everybody can say that. Like I can say that. Nick Foles can say that. But at the end of the day, like if you're not getting any offers, what are you gonna do? For sure. I saw your um tweet earlier which i thought was funny about um no jersey swaps at the end of the game and your response to that what what do you think is is some of the or maybe the biggest obstacle to the nfl returning i mean i know we're all very optimistic but we're seeing what's happening they just have to i know they're trying to have a plan and everything but it's hard to plan when you don't know what's going to happen um like the NBA is seeing all these cases, the college kids are seeing all these cases and whether it be from them being out at bars or not, like you don't know who these people are around. You don't know if that Von Miller goes to the grocery store and gets coughed on and there he has it now, you know, like you don't know any of that. So I think the biggest challenge is they need to stop putting these like stupid, stupid, like statements out saying like you can't swap jerseys after games but you're still going to have guys in each other's faces for three and a half hours like that doesn't make any sense like sure you can't have guys six feet apart in the locker rooms but if they're right up next to each other an inch away from each other's faces what does it matter what they're doing in the locker room that stuff i don't get and i feel like um they they just they're saying that stuff to have just to say it like it's a false sense of hope exactly and like i mean the fact that they're still trying to push this is just like crazy to me. Like I heard back in April that they were already thinking of playing without fans. And I mean, and everything that has been going on, they were counting. I mean, even me back in April, I was counting on July, everything being back to normal. Yeah. And it hasn't been. So I feel like they were banking on that. And now it's kind of like we're back where we started. So, and, but the fact that they're still pushing for this and they're planning on bringing guys to training camp in three weeks is just not ideal. Like, I feel like it's going, it's going to take a player getting really sick or a coach getting really sick for them to realize like, maybe we shouldn't have done this. And I don't want that to happen. You're not going to be able to stop the virus. You know, the NBA and, and all these other leagues are going to have to figure out a way when somebody does get it, what is the protocol in place? But you, would, it's pretty shocking and surprising. We haven't heard more about like, here's what we would test. Here's how we would test. Here's how we would create a bubble. Here's how we would limit interactivity other than the stupid jersey swap thing at the end. So they haven't really talked about mitigating the dangers. They've only talked about these sort of false premise measures that you would take that really wouldn't help. And so it is kind of being naive from both college football, you know, and I saw that they just announced that they're going to play, you know, conference games and the Ivy League is done. 
So the reality is going to hit soon. It's just a matter of when. And I think, you know, the leagues that are going to be successful are going to get out in front and figure out a plan. And the ones that aren't, and again, this is just my prediction, are just going to to suffer at it and not be able to really succeed with any kind of season. Right. Like I feel like they're, like you said, they're, they're, they're telling us all these things, these precautions they're going to, they're going to take, but they're not telling us like, what are they going to do if your entire quarterback room gets, is exposed to it? What are you going to do if like your, you have a meeting with your entire offensive line and your offensive line coach has it. Are you going to play with no offensive line? Like, how are you going to do that? And then you have to think that like, if your wide receiver room gets it, like they came in contact with your defensive backs and like, you know, it's just this big, I feel like every time, and I had a player tell me this, every time they tell you something, there's three or four more questions that they have. Sure. Yeah. And it's just not getting solved. Nobody really has any answers and that's the problem. I want to get your thoughts on the NFL draft because that was so unique. And this, it was kind of at the beginning of all of this. And I think everybody was excited just to see something live and some action on a night. How do you think the NFL pulled it off in terms of entertainment wise and execution? I mean, I liked it. I feel like the, the thing is about the draft is like, that's one of the things that you can do from your house. That's the one thing in the NFL that you can do from your house. Like nobody has to be in the war room together. You know, nobody has to be in the offices together. Like nobody has to be sitting to accept their draft hat. You know, you can do that stuff from your house. So I feel like they that was easy for them. And now here comes the hard part is when you have to get guys in training camp. Now you have to get guys ready to play. Now you have to get guys working out. And you can't do that from your house. The, the biggest news probably in the NFL and in the sports world just hit, Patrick Mahomes becomes the richest North American athlete. And the deal for half a billion dollars, do you think he will get another deal after this one? So he's got 12 years. Will he get another deal? I think so. I feel like it could be like kind of a Brady situation. Um, If anybody can get another deal like that, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. And then if you had a bet over one and a half Super Bowls, what would your bet be from here moving forward? Over. So then the Chiefs got a steal. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's, he's winning two to three. Yeah. He's winning two to three. So everybody here on the podcast believes he'll have what? What's your number? I'll for say Super three. Bowls. You'll say three. Lindsay says three. Keith? I'll go as high as two. I won't say three. Elliot? He's going he's gonna to beat Brady's record. See, Seven. I knew that was happening. <laughs> and I love that people are jumping to that conclusion. You know, it's so, it's so like Twitter in 2020 to just – the guy has one Super Bowl – Listen, he's probably the greatest prospect I've seen coming out of college and having success this early. He's breaking records. He's incredible. To win six Super Bowls in your career and or more. I'm kidding. I'm not so what, what's, what's your number? I think three. I'm okay. just – I hope someone beats Brady's, Brady's number just because I want someone else to be the greatest. But, but uh, No, but I think that is – a lot of people do think now he'll win six Super Bowls. I That's – I. I, I if any, like, there will never be a Brady Belichick combination that wins six Super Bowls and have that cakewalk of a schedule to get there. Oh, that's true. And p- play the Jets, you know, twice every year. Yeah, so I mean, they're basically at a buy every year. I-, I always pitch it to these guys, and you know, one Uh-oh. of the things like, I want to see. Brace yourself, Lindsay. <laughs> no, I, I just want to, you know, I'm kind of excited about seeing the how like the NBA is doing these like shorter tournaments and things like that, and. um and MLS as well with the, with the, the World Cup. I'm not saying that the NFL should do that, but I think it is a good time for them to start rethinking schedules and 
Um, one of the things I thought that they've always missed was I think it's a joke the fact that the, like the Jets and the Giants aren't really rivals. They only play once every four years. Why don't you have a rivalry AFC NFC and you just pick one team that's either in the location or you just match them up and then every year they play them at least once. Why wouldn't the NFL do something like that? Like like the MLS does every year with rivalry week. Do they uh, question for you? Do they play each other like every preseason? Yeah, but that doesn't count. Yeah, I know. Because I was thinking like they should do that with like the Ravens and the Redskins since they're yeah. know, an hour apart. But they and they usually do it in like the preseasons. So that's why I asked. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think I mean, I think it's dumb that just the way some some of this is set up, like we we're talking when we were talking about the Patriots, like they have to play all these garbage teams every year and like why can't they play the Chiefs instead? You know? It's like well, they do set up marquee matchups. I mean, the, the Patriots did have to play the Colts and the Broncos every year. So they did start building that in, and they played the Chiefs last year. Um, so I think they picked out marquee matchups. It's just not geography-based. Mm-hmm. Like, if the Jets and Giants were really good, I bet you they would play every year. For sure. Like, the Ravens and the Patriots played each other for, like, yep. three years in a row or something back when they were both. But they would, they can't because of the system yeah. of it being NFC and AFC. They can't. No, they I'm have selected sure. games outside of that, though. No, they do not have. Oh, if, you mean AFC and NFC? NFC? Right, right, right. Only play one division in the NFC uh, every four. You go through it every four years. So the Jets only play the Giants every four years. So I find it so. It's like I feel like you could, on a local basis, you could create smaller um, marketing opportunities to. You know, that week, if the Jets and the Giants are, are terrible, but at least you have that one uh, week where they're playing in season, towards the end of the season, that could mean something rather than j- them just playing in uh, in the preseason. I think that, you you know, I mean, rivalry week for MLS is AT&T, you know, pr- uh, presents it or whoever. It's always big brands, but you could do it big brands and then little brands. Local brands could also be putting money into, you know, amp these these games up as well. Because I think that that's especially now with what's going to happen with fans going to to games, it's going to be different after this. But, that's do my- think, but do you think anybody cares based on region in the NFL? It's not like college football. It's not like any of the other sports. They want to see the marquee matchups, and I don't. And this is my opinion. I don't think region matters. It's a, it's uh, the Jets and Giants aren't a rivalry. It, w- it never has been. It would be if they played every year. It would be, and if they I'd played, see, I, I think the Jets and Patriots were a rivalry at some point. Yeah were and then then they destroyed us but um <laughs> uh no but if it was played if you play them at the what like maybe the week 14 or something like that you played them week 14 so if the jets or the giants are good they uh and one of them's bad they still could have a chance to knock them out or hurt their their chances of getting a buy or whatever so that that would always be and the jets and giants fans want to be rivals they do they really do but they they don't care like uh, Mets and Yankees fans are much more rivals than than uh, Jets and Giants because they play every year. There's a there's a there is that Subway series that everyone looks forward to and pays a lot of money to go to. Along those lines, any changes you would like to see in the NFL that would increase entertainment value? Playing games this year. <laughs> That's a good first step. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get over that. Touche. <laughs> True. I love it. What's a team in the league that you think does a really good job on social? Oh, the Panthers are so great at it. Yeah. 
they really are. I mean, they just, their video team is awesome. Um, you see them going after like the saints and the, the books and the Falcons on Twitter. Like they're so funny about it. And like, they're not like nasty about it. It's just yeah, funny. Yeah. So it's a good point. Snarkiness a little bit there, but not, you know, being offensive. Things I wanted to mention about the Panthers social team is like when everybody released their schedule video, they took like really subtle digs at the Falcons in that where they had like the plane going over the sky and the banner on the end said 28 to three on it. Like, <laughs> brutal. Like, you could brutal. Barely it, but if you zoomed in enough, you could see it. <laughs> Boy, do I feel for Falcons fans. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I was good. I was going to say, speaking of what the hell has Matt Ryan ever done to you? <laughs> Nothing. He's like the nicest guy on the planet. She, she hates this guy, though. <laughs> I hate him, though. It's just- all right, clear it up, Lindsay. I think you do. Clear the air. So, like, it all started because, like, him and Flacco were drafted the same year. And, like, I always felt like, and I still feel this way, I feel like Matt Ryan got a lot more credit for doing a lot less with more than Flacco did. Flacco mm. did a lot more with a whole lot less. I mean, none of his wide receivers are even in the NFL anymore. Not a single one. Julio Jones's entire career and has still hasn't won anything. I don't know, but it's just, it kind of like stemmed into this whole thing. Whereas like any, any chance I could get, I would just take a dig at him, but I don't actually hate him. Like <laughs> I even like, I sent him a gift when his kids were born. Like, wow. Oh, that's very nice. nice of you. He did like, um, he had like a foundation for like the black lives matter movement. And I, I donated money to that. I donated two hundred eighty-three dollars to it. Oh, oh, that's a great troll. Ge- that's like a great way to do some a good gesture and a good thing, and then also take a subtle jab <laughs> or not so subtle. <laughs> so I mean, so it's just like it's it's something that's funny, and like the only people who don't think it's funny are Falcons fans. Is there any more of a Falcon season than them starting like seven and one and then losing their next? Seven games straight. It's so so good. Is that so Falcons? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. In terms of coverage, I'm interested, you know, you being an NFL analyst and and doing your content primarily in the NFL. And like you said, that's that's your livelihood. What is some of the challenges about covering that league or what are some of the interesting aspects of it? I mean, it's it's oversaturated in the sense of there's a ton of coverage and there's a lot of places to get it. So how do you find the interesting aspects for you to cover it and have a interesting angle or commentary. The way I got in this league, I started as an intern. So I interned for Ed Reed actually. And I did like his um, foundation and everything like that. And I saw the NFL from that point. I've seen the NFL as a fan and I've seen the NFL as a part of the media. So I've seen it from like three different points of views. And I feel like I kind of bring like not to toot my own horn here but like I kind of bring all of that together in what I say so I mean that's the in a nutshell answer I guess it's interesting because you know ESPN's gone through a lot of changes trying to figure out their format for Monday night football which hasn't gone very well (laughs) and uh, they just switched up NFL live and Mina Kimes who's um, a big personality is getting a bump there and it's interesting to see them going in that direction I think it's a positive one with a little bit more of a diverse group, not only just, you know, through adding some new personalities, but people who are also very vocal and you're going to see them a lot on social media, right? Like Mina Kimes has kind of built her career on that and and worked her way through a niche kind of audience and now is going ma- more mainstream. What do you think about the new format and kind of 
coverage as a whole in terms of the NFL kind of getting into more of a modern space? I like it. My only concern is that, and this is from my experience, like I've worked with like different larger companies. I'm not going to like name any names or anything, but like they've, aside from my coverage themselves, they tried to tell me that I, things that I couldn't say or things that I couldn't do, or, um, you know, you can't say that it's too mean or you, you know, this needs a little bit more. So my only concern with like, I love Mita Kime. She's great. And the she's very outspoken on social media and she says what she thinks. And her and I like relate to each other in that way. Like I always say what I think, but like my concern is like, I don't want this bigger stage to water her down. Um, mm. And that's kind of, I'm not trying to say like, I'm like above her or anything like that because I'm not, she's amazing. Um, but I not, I wouldn't necessarily want to be on that kind of stage because um, and this is a Taylor Swift quote, by the way, like your like the bigger your career gets, the bigger the magnifying glass gets. And everybody's going to be nitpicking her even more than usual. And I don't want her to lose any of her ability to express herself the way that she wants to. That's a really good, really good perspective, because when you get into a television format, it's much different. And especially that type of show. So I hope they do cater the show. The producers look at it differently, like completely strip it down so that it works to the talent, not the other way. But we'll have to see what ESPN does. I think they're they're competing right now with um, you know, some other networks that are doing a really good job and sort of moving to a more modern style of coverage commentary. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Well, look, we we had fun. We appreciate you joining us. It's very rare that we can talk positively about the Jets. So we appreciate you coming on and helping us do that. And I appreciate Before, I appreciate Lindsay also admitting that the 2015 Broncos had a better defense than the 2000 Ravens. We heard that, right? You guys heard that, right? I I thought I did, but Okay. Uh, you know. Cuz that's going to be like our quote card and our social graphics when we come out. We're going to Right, are you saying that Ray Lewis is not as good as Von Miller? That's exactly what she said. I did yes. not. Quote <laughs> card, first quote card right there. <laughs> I'm a Denver native, so as you can see, a Broncos fan. So that's why all those jabs are coming in with Flacco and uh, my 2015 best defense of all time. Um, Old Bay fan, or what's going on with Old Bay? Oh my God, I put it on everything. They have those like square jars of it. I have one, and then I have a backup one. And then there's hot sauce too, right? There's hot. I have not tried the hot sauce. It's very hard to get. Um, but the seasoning is really like all you need. You can put it on eggs, popcorn. Is a good one. Okay. Ooh, that um, sounds- I don't really like eggs, but like if you have like an omelet, like you can put it on there. French fries. Yeah. Yep. I tried it in Rhode Island. It's awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate the uh, the cooking segment. Outside of writing postcards to the fan club, where can people find you on social? I'm Lindsay OK on everything. Instagram, lindsayok.com, Twitter. Everything's the same. So you don't have to jump through hoops to find me. Here I am. That's a wrap for this week. Thanks for listening to the We Need to Be Doing That podcast. Visit we need to be doing that.com for more episodes and contact information. 